And everybody said, Well, I want to bid my word of welcome to you and thank you for coming and thank you to Pastor Steve who is indeed providentially hindered from being here. And uh, I'd also like to add a word of welcome to those that are watching online or out in the parking lot or wherever you might be or watching by some other means. We thank you for tuning in and watching our service today. <clears throat> also want to add my word of happy Mother's Day to all mothers, even though I'll have more to say about that in a moment. Um, the first thing that I wrote in my notes as I was beginning to put this message together were the words that say that the womb, the mother's womb, used to be the safest place for a child. Today we live in a culture where the womb is probably the most dangerous place that a child can be. It's unfortunate. I'll have some things to say about your mom and about my mom. But I want you to I want you to listen. Some of you have heard me speak some time ago about the best way to hear is to listen. So are you listening? And once again, I remind you, this is yes, this is no. And since I can barely see, you'll probably need to just say it out loud. But uh, <clears throat> today I want to I teach you something and then I want to preach a little bit to you. Uh, all of this comes deep from within my heart. And every, every night this week, during the week, I would uh, wake up from sleep and I would have dreamed of something that I wanted, felt like needed to be included in what I'm going to say today. My message today is actually on reconciliation. Can y'all say that word? Reconciliation. Gosh, y'all make more noise than that when you leave than you do when you're sitting in here. Reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation to our Maker, but not just to our Maker, but also to not only man as... Man to God, but also man to man to man. And I want to submit to you that that mothers on Mother's Day in our lives play a role that is synonymous or similar to a a, a type of Christ in our lives. Now, what I really love to do in church is to have children's messages. So I realize we have the largest crowd here today that we've had in a week, and uh, I appreciate that. But I want to do a little children's message for you and uh, to get a point across. Man shall not live by bread alone. He must have peanut butter. We learned that in Bible school. And... To help it along, 
you add a little jelly. Y'all know what that is? There you go. All right. Now, in order to save time, I want to I want you to see these are my two brothers. I had two older brothers. Now, my wife didn't know exactly what I was going to do here, so she's drawing up in a knot already. <laughs> this brother is a heel, and this brother is just a brother. But they were always at enmity with each other. They were always fighting about something. I was the baby of three boys, so I just stayed out of the way. Uh, that was the best way to not get hurt. But I want to show you the role of a mother as a reconciler. When you're trying to reconcile two of anything together that just simply will not be reconciled. Here's the sandwich, the finished sandwich. And look, look how nicely they're behaving. They're together, they're in unison, but look what's between them. Probably can't see it, but it's peanut butter and jelly. That holds them together. Now, Here's what I want you to remember. That peanut butter and jelly is mama. When mama gets between them, they get their act together. When mama gets between them, when mama gets involved, she brings the protein of righteousness and the sweetness of mother's love. So just make sure you don't ever forget that. You've been close to me this morning. You'll see that both of my eyes are so bloodshot, uh, <clears throat> I can barely see. So I have all my scripture written out in large print. And instead of just asking you to, to turn to it, I want to read it to you. And I just want to make a few comments and ask you to follow along as I share with you about reconciliation. And then I'm going to... I'm going to tell you some history about Mother's Day that I dare to say that you do not know. Reconciliation is defined as a change in relationships. Now that's what happens when we get when we when we get right with God. We we change in our relationships. Between us and with him, we are, the Bible says that we are reconciled unto him. But it also involves a change in relationships, not only of God and man, but also of man and man, such as my two brothers, who have gone on, hopefully, to be with the Lord. <clears throat> Enmity is a difficult thing to repair, especially when it's been going on for a long time. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God. You who are reconciled have reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That, that tells me that it ties in with what Pastor Steve's been telling us the last several Sundays is that we are to be about the, the, the business of reconciliation, of evangelism, of introducing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can be reconciled. It's our mandate. Mandate. Can you all say mandate? It's our mandate. That means we have to do it. In order to be rightly related to the Lord, we, it, we, have, to, we have to obey His mandate to bring others to Him and to be made right with God. In the third chapter of the book of Hosea, God spoke to Hosea. You all know the, the story of Hosea and his wife. It's the story of unconditional love. He says, The Lord said to me, Go now, Go now your lo and to love your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Love her anyway. Unconditional love. I want to submit to you today that if your love, if your love for mankind and if your love for your wife or for your mother your love for anyone is, is, is not unconditional. It's not God's love. It's not agape love. Romans 5.11 tells us that not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, folks, part of, part of the Christian life is giving away what we've received. Being so excited about having Jesus living in our heart that we can't wait to share with someone what Christ has done for us. Asking them, don't they want to be reconciled unto God? Don't you want to be right with God? It's something about which we should shout. That we should be excited. That we would always be willing to, to give our testimony. The Bible says always be ready to give every man a reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with meekness and with fear. In Romans 11.15 tells us that for their rejection brought reconciliation to the world. But will their... Will their Accountant be to our life or unto me. That tells us that we're that God is about the business of giving us a brand new life. A brand new life means that you have been born again. You were born once, and now when you accept Christ, when you're reconciled to Him, you are born again. I heard someone say so many times that. If you're a Christian, you'll, you're, 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 you'll die twice, but you're only born once. But if you're not a Christian, you'll die, you'll die twice. You'll die when you physically die, and you'll die when you go to heaven. 
If you know the Lord is your Savior and is your Lord, you may die in your physical body once, but you'll never die again. You'll only die that one particular time. Now, I just turned 78 two days ago. I don't look at Dua. Your eyes are worse than mine. I like to tell people that <clears throat> life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. And that I feel like I've just turned the final corner on the racetrack. And I, I'm not at the finish line yet, but I can see that checkered flag way down there somewhere. And I remember it wasn't, but just a few months ago I stood in this pulpit and made the statement that this may be the last time that I ever preach from this pulpit. I'm glad I was wrong. And I thank Pastor Steve for giving me this opportunity to speak to you today. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself, Christ, and gave us as ministry of, reconcil of reconciliation, us to him. And then finally, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Is it any wonder that Martin Luther King said, Martin Luther King Jr. said, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Though we've come to know the Lord and know we know Him as Lord and Savior, we still have to deal with the sin every day in our life. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the strength comes from the fact that you know or you don't know that you're right with God. Long life is a gift. But the longer you live, the longer you live reminds you that eternity is even longer. And that the longer you live, Satan is always buffeting you with the opportunity to make mistakes that will take away not your salvation, but will take away the joy of your salvation. I've already told you that my goal today is not just to preach, but to, to teach you something, to look, to look backward for a moment. This is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. And I am submitting to you as an old man that most people don't know the history of Mother's Day. We love our mothers and we should. And we honor our mothers and we should. We should always be about the business of doing the right thing for mama. We did that in my household because if you didn't, the consequences were severe. Don't ever forget that <clears throat> an event has to take place before there can ever be a memory. And every one of us have in our minds and in our hearts all kinds of warm and pleasant and wonderful and some maybe even not pleasant memories of our mother. But Mother's Day 
Mother's Day actually began to be recognized in the year 1905. That's the year I was born. It feels like. In 1905. Now, remember I said, listen. It's important that you understand what this has to do with reconciliation and being made right with somebody and being made right with God. It didn't become a national holiday until it was signed into law as a national holiday by President Woodrow Woodrow Wilson in 1914. It's actually the year my dad was born. It was all a result of the work of a lady called Anna Jarvis. Is anybody here related to Anna Jarvis? I hope not. Anna Jarvis. Anna Jarvis was born in 1864. Her mother, Anna Reeves Jarvis, was born in 1832. Mother's Day was, was, was recognized off and on during the latter part of the 1800s, and uh, it was finally... It was even previously known as Mother's Sunday, Mother's Appreciation Sunday, and several other names that that were applied to it. But Anna Jarvis, now listen to the humanity of this story. Anna Jarvis was one of 11 children, born in 1864, The war between the states ended in 1865. And um, she grew up watching her mother, who was Ann Jarvis. She was a contemporary of Harriet Beecher Stowe. You ever heard of her? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. She was a peace activist. And um, she worked to reconcile, listen to this, she worked to reconcile the soldiers of the North with the soldiers of the South. Folks, they were divided then like we are divided today. We live in a world of animosity. We live in a world where people not only dislike each other, a lot of people hate each other. Either because of the color of their skin or uh, what they do for a living or what they believe in or what they don't believe in. It doesn't take a lot to divide us. Because we're human, we're fallen in the flesh. But Anna lived all of her life from the time that she was old enough to understand what her mother was doing. Her mother would get these soldiers together. Anna would meet with a soldier from the north and and his mother. And with a previous soldier from the south and his mother 
and they would meet together and she would be the reconciler. They would talk about their differences, not fight over them. Showed them how to love each other, how to appreciate each other, how to be reconciled to each other, how to let the wounds of the past heal. Even though there were scars, remember, I've never preached here on scars, but scars are a reminder that something has happened. Scars are a reminder that something painful has happened. Scars in your life remind you that, that you went through an ordeal that was an ordeal. But the scar is a reminder that it has healed. The Bible says that if we will love God and if we will serve Him, if we will pray unto Him, if we, we will... If we will beseech Him on, through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, that He will heal our land. And I submit to you that we are not doing all that we ought to be doing. We are not doing what Ann Jarvis did in trying to reconcile people one at a time. This was the interesting part. It was later on that after after Mother's Day was signed into law, Anna Jarvis changed her mind. Who ever heard of a woman changing her mind about anything? She changed her mind. And she actually tried to reverse what had been done and do away with Mother's Day. Most of you are looking at me like, why in the world would she do that? She never intended it for it to be a tribute of motherhood. She attributed it to be individually from each of us as a tribute to our own mother, only to our own mother because of the role that they have played in people's lives. She was also disenchanted because it had become commercialized. After two years it was that it was signed into law, the moneymakers were going at it. They were selling Mother's Day cards. They were selling flowers for Mother. They were doing all kinds of things, making it big for Mother's Day. And we still have that today, and I'm certainly not against that. I, I'm, I'm in favor of recognizing all others. I just wanted you all to know that that's the way it literally happened over 100 years ago, and it was because of one little girl watching her mother, what Christ would, would do in anybody's lives and is doing in hours. And most mothers in the Bible, at least a lot of them, are wonderful people. Like all of you. My mother was a little short lady. She was not much taller than she was wide. She went to be with the Lord when she was 52.
Her mother died when she was 12. Raised her brother and a younger sister. Her daddy remarried and there from a non-loving stepmother. Later on, when we all came along, she found herself in a household with six men. She cooked and washed and ironed for six men. But listen to this. She had a good lock on the bathroom. Died from chronic renal failure. She got out of the hospital, went home and got dressed and came to our wedding. Went back home, changed clothes and went back to the hospital. Went to be with the Lord in April of 1967. She was a work of art. But biblical mothers, let me just say a word or two about them. They're loving. They were appreciative and thankful. They were weepy, and they were tender, and they were smart to remember little details that men most often forget. Even though some were idolatrous, not all were, of course, some were troubled, some were vexed by their own unanswered prayers and their own difficulties in life. Some were even cruel. Many were joyful. Can't help but think of Mary. Realized that about to give birth to the Messiah. You see, it was the goal of every Jewish young girl. And remember, <clears throat> after puberty in biblical times, you were considered an adult. While Mary and Joseph were espoused to be husband and wife, she was espoused to him at such an early age that once you go through puberty and you're of childbearing years, you're considered an adult. But it was the goal, it was the goal, it was the hope, the ambition of every Jewish girl to be the mama of the Messiah. They were looking for him. They were good, some were scheming, especially in the Old Testament. Hannah, look at Hannah, how prayerful she was. She prayed for Samuel, and Samuel came, and as soon as he was weaned, she took him, dedicated him to the Lord, and he lived in the house with the two meanest boys in all of the country. Ophni and Phinehas were their names. I know you already know that. Mothers are providers, they're protective. They give honor to their husbands and to their children. They will do about, they will do without in order for their children to be able to eat and to have everything that they need. It is mentioned in, I believe, Hosea and Ezekiel, mothers are even given as an example of Israel and Judah. And they are described as the heavenly, the heavenly Jerusalem in Galatians chapter 4.
Genesis 1.28, a mother fulfills God's command to be fruitful and multiply. Any man can be a man, but only a woman can be a mother. Psalm 113 verse 9 says God will take the barren woman and turn her life into joy. And to that I would like to say thank you to those of you who have adopted children. Take them under your wing and into your heart and you've loved them as though they came from your very body. Given them divine protection for them in every way. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says that the mother is given divine protection to give it to the young and to the weak. Young and to the weak. I went to see Angelina Martha and I this week. She's going to live through the weekend. And I was jotting this down. I couldn't help but think of Bendina taking care of the weak. No, when we're little, when we're young, we're so helpless, we're all weak. Second Timothy 2.15 reminds us or describes us a mother as a, a, a part of her role as, and, and her great reward that she is to be honored by God for her work and for what she does for all of her children and for all to whom she is. Now it's almost 11 o'clock. It's about time for us to begin. I thought somebody would say, oh, Lordy. You have your Bibles turned to Titus 5. Verses 1 through 5. It talks about instructions for men and women, but a lot of them there are for women, and I just want to, I want to wind this down today by bringing this to attention. But listen to me. Uh, <clears throat> I say listen again, because it's important for you to know. It's important to me for you to know how important it is to me that we know the truth of the difference of a mama named Anne had on a little daughter named Anna. And we're still talking about them today. The world today, you know, is not like it was then. As many times we say the world is going to hell in a handbasket, it's more like a Rolls Royce or a limousine at 900 miles an hour. It's a different world with different pressures. My time in this world, I, I'm, I'm just exhausted with its ways. I don't understand as a grown man 
I don't understand how right can suddenly be wrong and wrong can be right. I don't understand for for the life of me how someone can think that if you're born a man, you can become a woman. If you're born a, a female, you can become a male. One preacher said, I grew up on the farm. I, I know more about it than that. It, it, it's, it's crazy. You understand the world has gone crazy. And that's part of the right and the wrong. They say we're the crazy ones. But gradually, they appear to be winning. I recently learned that the seminary from which I graduated in 1979 is teaching a class on not how to redeem these people, but how to accept them and to accept their lifestyle and our lifestyle. Because the truth is, most of them have a goal is that they want to change us. They want one world government. They don't believe in God. And the problem is, is that we in the salt shaker are in the salt shaker. And we've lost our salt in this one when we get out of the salt shaker. My generation will soon be gone. I'm not even sure what all my grandchildren believe. In their heart. I try to tell them what I believe, but I don't know exactly what they believe. And you only really believe what you're willing to put into practice. And if that's the case with the church, if we only really believe what we're really putting into practice, we don't believe very much about God. Now, I don't claim to be the best preacher in the world, but I'm one of them. Not one of the best ones, I'm one of the preachers in the world. And God has given me 78 years and two days. Less than that. You've heard me say, you don't realize what a... Martha, say amen to this. I've got to have a drink before I say this. You don't realize what a wild creature I was before God called me to preach. A lot of it had to do with her. God used her. Look, I grew up in a a Quaker church. I married a Baptist and then I became a preacher. That's the wrong order. I grew up in a Quaker church where... Nothing ever happened. I was there until I married her and we left home. But, and I, I cannot remember a single time. It may have happened, but I don't remember it. I had a pretty good memory. It may have happened, but I don't remember the gospel ever being presented a single time. I don't remember a single time that an invitation was ever given. I don't remember a single time that somebody came to me and said, you had to be born again to be right with God. What I do remember is when I turned 12. 
That's when the Quaker said you were ready. The preacher came to me and said, you are now 12, today you will join the church. Okay. I thought I was in the church. I thought I was saved. I got to Martha's church. They didn't do things like we did. I had to wait till training union was over to even get to hold her hand. You've heard me say I gave my life to Christ publicly at a one-night Billy Graham crusade in Raleigh because I knew that I had never, on my own will and volition, walked down the aisle and given my heart to the Lord and asked Him to forgive me. And I was baptized for the first time. I submit to you it takes a godly woman to make a godly mother and it takes a godly mother to make a godly man or a godly child. Men, we're good at a lot of things. We can drive a nail. We can build things. But it's the women who do the tender work. God only knows where I'd be today if it wasn't for Martha. Now I can't see. Titus 5. Four things I want you to write down to remember. Titus 5, 1 through 5 tells us what our basic instructions are. It tells us, among other things, what we're not doing. It tells us, among other things, what Pastor Steve has been trying to get us to do. Oh, we're good at coming if it's convenient. It looks to me like people are more afraid of, of germs in the church than they are in the Walmart and the grocery store. It doesn't make sense to a country boy like me. It's the path of least resistance that makes people in rivers crooked. And we're getting better at what we're doing, but we've got a long ways to go. Our instructions. One preacher I heard say it was our mandate. That was a long time ago. Their mandate is to do this. Keep your mouth shut unless you're saying something good. You're going to talk, talk about the Lord. Talk about redemption. Talk about reconciliation. Talking about getting together with somebody like a soldier from the north and a soldier from the south and bring their mamas and sit between them and when the end... Watch them hug each other. Be an example. Be an example to the right manner of life. I remember, I remember, I remember going somewhere, and this is what Mother said. You're going where? 
and you're going looking like that? And then she said, no, you're not. I went, but I didn't go looking like that. I think I've already heard you... I think you've already heard me quote another preacher who said, most of our churches have been reduced to big screens, coffee machines, and ragged jeans. I did a service last week where I told people I saw a lady in the Walmart, it looked like, it looked like a 12-gauge shotgun went off in the legs of her pants. There was more of her than there was blue jeans. All because, as Anna Jarvis would say, it's too commercial. Somebody on Wall Street or somebody uh, in the fashion business tells us this is the right thing to do. <clears throat> it's their instruction. To be an example. To be an example to our children. My son's Father's Day card this week, the most outstanding thing he said to me that blessed me so much was, thanks for being an example. By the way, he's 50 and he just retired 30 years as a Raleigh police officer. He's still alive. His mom is really happy. Number two. First one was our, was our instruction. Number two is our motive. I think that's in verse five. It's to be bold, to build bold and strong families. To correct, correct your children. Correct them. If you leave them alone to do whatever they want to do, they'll do whatever they want to do. And that, that Quaker church, we, the little boys, five and six years old, we used to sit on the very front row. And uh, <clears throat> to pass the time during the very boring time in which we were there, we would, uh, our legs weren't long enough to reach the floor, so we would just swing them back and forth. And we'd get into a contest of swinging our legs back and forth. And after a while, we'd start hitting the pew underneath, and it would... <laughs> and the choir was over to the side. And my mother was on the front row. She could look at me with her eye. The Bible says that God will guide you with his eye. She could look at me with her eye. And instructed. Correct your children. Number three. In verse three. The manner of life. Would you describe your life as a life of holiness? I don't mean Pentecostal holiness. Or are you a, a member of the holiness denomination? Or, or are you some kind of a, of a religious zealot? But do others see Jesus in you? You smell like Jesus? 
Bible says that we are to be a sweet savor. And again it says, talking about gossip, somewhere in the Bible, I, I didn't have time to look it up, but it says, this. listen to this, gossip's a form of insanity. The last one is our message. Verses 4 and 5. The older ones are the teach the younger ones. Teach them how to be level-headed. My mama, you've heard me mention her, she used to say you can always tell a level-headed woman by the way the snuff runs out of the corner of her mouth. She was a bigger joker than I was, than I am. You'd like my mama. She was a character. She could beat the daylights out of you with a thin switch that made you think you were going to die. It did not harm you, but it would eat your legs up through your pants. You all ever been there? Daddy never whipped us because he didn't have the heart when mother finished what she was doing. I have your dress properly. Is it O'Tesla on television that says, tell more of you? Now they're talking about psoriasis, I think. We got a bad case to show more of you. We stopped in Chapel Hill the other day. We saw a, a female there. Then uh, I didn't speak to her, but if I had, I'd said, "Lady, I think you forgot to get the other half of your dress on." Proverbs thirty-one says that's why her husband trusts in her because she. Doesn't spend all her time on the cell phone. She also knows how to use the cook stove. And I know that sounds old-fashioned and chauvinistic and all those good things, but... They <clears throat> say a man's way, what, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I submit to you that the, man's, the way to a man's heart is to love him because it was Adam that God looked at and said, something's missing. Make him a woman. The young couple, after their honeymoon, the new bride looked at her husband and she said, Honey, I have a confession to make. What is it, dear? She said, uh, I can... I can only make two things, and that's meatloaf and banana pudding. To which he replied, that's all right, darling, just be sure to tell me which one is which. And she looked at him and said, or he looked at her and said, you must think I'm a perfect idiot. To which she replied, <laughs> no, just an idiot, nobody's perfect. All right, I'm closing. We need our schools. 
We need our churches. We need our gatherings. We need our happy groups back again. But most of all, we need our families. We need men to be men and women to be women. Not men trying to be women, not women trying to be men. God has very definite, defined roles for every one of us. We need to find those and do our very best and give of our best to each other and to the Master. The dad is the head of the home. Mom, you are the heart of the home. And it's the heart that pumps the blood to the head. The man is the roof. The mom is the foundation. Most important thing for our families, families, families. Like Ann Jarvis said, reconciled. To that, I will thank all of you who've been watching online. I appreciate you being there, and I want you to know that if you have any questions whatsoever, you can call our church, or you can call me, you can call our pastor, you can get in touch with us in any way. Thank you for watching, thank you for being with us today, and we appreciate your patience and appreciate you. Have a good day. And now, if y'all will stand with me. You'll love me. Might as well you have to. <clears throat> if we can do if we can do I didn't tell Steve I was gonna do it. If we can do this safely, would the mothers come up and just kinda of make a roll across?